All right, Kelly Robinson, thank you very much. And we are live here in early January, 8th of January, live looking for calls. That's uh, what you say. And uh, I'll give you the number, and you can call us. Jared Taylor will answer the phone. He, he won't sound a bit like me, but he'll say, what city are you calling from? What's the topic? And he'll get you ready to go on the air with me. That's how it works. And then I'll be the next person you'll talk to. And I'd love to hear from you, please. We are live on the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Toll-free number, anywhere you can hear me. We have about 33, 34 stations that, that carry this program from, from uh, well, I'd say border to border, but that's not true. We, we go almost to Louisiana, all the way out almost to New Mexico and, and, and Mexico. We go to Alpine and go to Crockett. I think those are our two boundaries that way, and, and to Amarillo, all the way to Victoria. That's a pretty good span. And the weather varies a lot if you take those four uh, parts of the state. That's what makes this fun. 888-256-1080. Call right now, won't you please? I'd love to hear from you. We can talk about what you're doing in the middle of the winter for your landscape and garden. You know, this time last week we were talking about a cold front about to blow, blow through, plow through Texas. It already was in the panhandle, already in Oklahoma City, and headed south. And, yeah, that was cold. That was really cold. And uh, we've had another one since. And so, uh, anyway, that's where that's where we are in the middle of the winter time. It could be worse. It could be February of last year, 11 months ago. Ugh. 888-256-1080. But, you know, the other thing that's interesting is we are at spring gardening season now. It's time to be planting the earliest of your spring vegetables, especially in the southern half of the state. It's time to be planting fruit trees and, and berry vines and grapes and things of that sort time to be transplanting trees and shrubs so we have plenty to talk about and that's what uh, what we'd like to do so call that toll-free number right now 888-256-1080 for the texas lawn and garden hour we'll get the program underway i'll take a break and and uh, give jared a chance to get some calls lined up and hopefully there'll be some and uh, we can we can get busy so let me uh, tell you right now about my, my book, Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. It's now in its fifth printing. Sixth printing is underway. It takes several weeks. It takes uh, about six weeks, in fact, to do a printing. And I just decided, you know what, this year, this time, uh, I'm not going to not going to get myself saddled with uh, being out of books for a period of time. That was no fun. The last two printings that's happened to us, and uh, even with the shortages of things, I said to the printer, I don't care if I have to pay you to store them for a little while. I want to get these books printed and waiting. But as luck would have it, we're about out of the fifth printing. This is your go-to gardening reference, self-published, so I could have the book I always wanted to have to hand to you and say, this represents the best work of my career. It represents everything I've ever said or or written in 50 years of Texas horticulture that, that constitutes my life, my professional life. It covers all topics of outdoor gardening for all parts of Texas, every county. Lawns, landscapes, annuals, perennials, fruit and vegetables, the whole works. Chapter 2, for example, is a 48-page calendar, four pages per month that tell you what needs to be planted, pruned, fertilized, and sprayed in that month. I've never put that in a, in a book before. 
The old cowboy boot book had just a fraction of the information that this book has. 344 pages. It's a hardback. 840 of my best photos. It's being printed in San Antonio. The bindery is Universal Book Bindery in downtown San Antonio. I didn't want to have it done overseas. I wanted it to be made in Texas by Texans. It's not in stores and it's not on Amazon. In fact, I sign every book as it sells, and I sign them right in our house, in my garage right now, and I put an air conditioner out there so I can work year-round. So I hope that I'll have a chance to sign one for you. 73,000 copies sold so far, and I guarantee everybody's satisfaction with the book. I've not had one request for a refund to date on those 73,000 copies. book is only thirty six ninety five plus tax and postage. And uh, you know what? You spend thirty six ninety five on a, a mediocre meal in this day and age or on just one bag of fertilizer. And so this book will pay for itself by the end of the springtime. That's part of my guarantee. I think Chapter 2 alone will pay for it. It uh, has uh, 10 other chapters. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening. I skip over Chapter 2. That's the calendar. Then 3 through 11 are trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. Covers it all, and I think you'll like it. Here are the two ways you can order it, since it isn't in stores, isn't on Amazon. You order it from my office. You can call Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. The number is 800-752-GROW. 800-752-4769. But there's a much better way, and that's to order it directly from neilsperry.com, my website, n-e-i-l-s-p-e-r-r-y.com. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. Seems like these days, temporary storage space is on every street corner. You see them being built everywhere. But let's do a little bit of math. For what you're paying in yearly costs for that storage room that you get in one of those buildings, you could own your own metal storage building right there in your own backyard. How convenient is that? You do it with a Mueller Backyard Building. Their backyard building kits are easy to assemble with a bolt-together design. They are truly engineered. They're priced right, too. You keep your stuff at home, and you're not throwing away money by leasing storage space. Their kits come in a variety of sizes with more than 30 colors from which to choose. That adds style to your storage space. If you need a larger storage solution, Mueller's pre-engineered standard series buildings can accommodate almost any need. Whether it's a smaller place for a lawnmower, a place for cars, boats, or even an RV, you can have peace of mind that a Mueller metal building will protect those treasures at a reasonable price. See all of your options at MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com, or give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. You'll find a location near you. That's 877-268-268. 3553. They're Mueller. They're made in America. And they're made to last. MuellerInc.com. I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. And we have two of our four lines sold out for this morning. But you know, they don't stay sold out very long. Calls don't take very long this time of year. So I invite you to call right now. You won't be on hold very long. Give us a call. 888 256 1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. First call up is Brian in Brenham. Brian, this is Neil. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for calling. 
Listen, I've, I've been told that I have this one pecan tree that the, the limbs are just almost touching the ground, and I've been told the best time to prune them is after the after they harvest and after you get your first frost. Uh, that's the best time to cut the limbs to where it don't damage the tree. And I'm I'm just trying to trying to get the right answer. All right, Brian. I live in a we have 11 acres and probably eight acres of that uh, scattered across the 11 is, is a pecan forest, native pecans. Uh, it's kind of why we bought the land uh, 50, 51 years ago. Um, and I have a, a tree service uh, radio advertiser that is just outstanding. They're the best it gets. And they've been taking care of my trees for 25 years. And um, I know that they do pruning work on uh, pecans and most other species of trees 12 months a year whenever it's needed. Oaks are a little different because of oak wilt, but but they come at various times to our property to do our pecan pruning. I, I make no bones about it. If you guys um, have a little time, I need some pruning, work me in, put me at the bottom of the list, but let me float to the top eventually. And, uh, and so they come out, and it may be in June one time. It may be in January one time. Um, with, with pecans, it doesn't matter. Uh, I like to prune. If I'm doing pruning myself on, on small trees that I can manage, I like to prune during the winter because I can see through them, and I can see where the branches are, and I can do that okay. pruning. But I don't, I don't climb uh, into trees to do that. I never did climb into trees. Uh, to do pruning. That's for the pros to do. It's, I just don't feel safe doing it. Never did. Certainly at my age now, I don't. Um, one thing I will tell you when you, have you ever heard of the three-step approach to limb removal? That, that's actually a kind of a formal term on, on pruning. Have you ever heard of that? No, no not really. I, I don't have you ever used, I, I know the answer of this one's probably going to be yes. Uh, in case it isn't, don't be embarrassed. Have you ever used saw horses and a two-by-four and a, and a hand saw to, to cut a two-by-four? Yes. Okay, and you know when you get right to the end, the the two by four, you either have to have somebody holding it out at the end, or it it drops and leaves a little a little uh, pointed, jagged right, end on yes. it. All right, that will happen with a tree limb if you if you try to cut one that's bigger than oh inch and a half in diameter, that will happen with a tree limb, but it doesn't come off with just a little jagged tail on it like that. It comes off and peels back down the the branch and maybe even down the trunk. And so the three-step approach avoids that. So kind of picture with me, let's just say you have a, a branch that you're trying to remove that is, um, oh, maybe three or four inches in diameter. You make an undercut. You go out on the branch, maybe, I'm talking about away from the trunk, maybe you go out about 15 or 18 inches, 15 inches would be great, and you come up from underneath with your chainsaw, or if it's a smaller branch with a handsaw, you come up into the bottom of the branch and cut it a quarter of the way up into the branch. Um, and then you stop. If you go very far, it'll bind the saw. You don't want to do that. You take your saw out. Then you go out beyond that about three more inches, and you cut it from the top down, all the way down. And then when the branch breaks, or, or cuts and falls it will it will peel back only to your undercut it doesn't go any farther than that and that leaves you that stub of about 15 inches 
that's just like a little piece of firewood. Then you go back up against the trunk and you cut that and it won't peel. There isn't enough weight to peel that. And so that's the three-step approach, the undercut, the farther out cut, and the almost flush cut back against the trunk. So that's the three-step, and that's really critical that you do that. And then the other thing I need to tell you when you remove a branch from a pecan, uh, they're they're especially vulnerable to that tearing of of bark. The other thing is you want to leave uh, just a little bit of the branch collar. You don't want to put your chainsaw blade right up against the trunk when you remove the branch. You want to leave it out maybe the thickness of the chainsaw blade, maybe a quarter of an inch. Um, and and leave a little bit of the branch collar. Uh, it's kind of like the, the delta of a river where it goes into the ocean. It gets much broader. You come back to where it uh, is uh, is the neck. It, it's not the big broad area. And cut it, and the, the, the cut surface will heal faster if you do that. So those are the things to okay. remember on, on pruning pecans. So it pretty much... Doesn't matter what time of year to cut it, as long as it, it's not. It really in the doesn't. I I probably wouldn't do it in the spring because the the branches are very soft then. But if you have to remove a branch uh, in in May, because it really is waiting down. It's amazing how uh, supple those branches get and how much the leaves weigh. Uh, if and right. and pecans, uh, if if you have to do it because it's going to break, go ahead and do it. Not a problem. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. You are very welcome. I appreciate your call very, very much. Folks, anytime you prune any tree, don't ever leave a stub of a, of a branch, of a limb. If you see a, a branch that has broken, cut it back almost flush so that it can heal properly. If you leave a stub, decay will set in, and it will go right into the trunk and down the, the trunk, and you'll lose the whole tree every time, every time. It'll take four or five years, but every time. All right, that opens the line. It's 888 888- Two five six ten eighty eight 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 two five six ten eighty. Please give us a call right now. We'll come back and go to the Panhandle with Judy in just a moment. Neil Sperry's E Gardens is my free electronic newsletter. Did you hear that price? Free comes out every Thursday, just a little after six p.m. We're back on that Thursday schedule now that the holidays are over. When you have holidays on Saturdays, it, it kind of the big holidays like New Year's and Christmas. Kind of makes you send it out a little bit early, which we did. But we're back to Thursday evenings, just a little after 6 p.m., and it comes directly from my computer to your email. You can look for eGardens every Thursday at that time. There always will be five stories. One of the stories will be a featured plant of that week. One of the stories will be a featured question of that week, something that's come up time and time again. I'm about ready to do a story on uh, on oaks, on live oaks especially. And how do you know when it's time to take a live oak out? Because uh, I've had so many questions about that in the last couple of weeks. I had a lady post uh, on, on my Facebook page that one of the branches fell out of her live oak and, and injured her granddaughter, and the little girl had to have neurosurgery to close a, a, a wound in her forehead or in her head, somewhere in her head, and a brain bleed. This was just in the last few days. So you have to pay attention to that, and I'm going to do a story on that in, in eGardens in the next week or two. And we'll have photos for you. Um, and then there always is gardening this weekend, where I point out the things that are most important to get done in that weekend. 
That's what eGardens is. And then Diane Sitton has one of my favorite stories that I've ever seen, uh, her do, and, and she's been writing for us for all 18 years that we've had eGardens. And uh, this one is on roosters for the garden, not living roosters. These are art, garden art roosters. Oh, my goodness. I showed one to my wife last night. I said, I'm going to write, Diane, going to ask her, where did you take that photo or where did you get that one? I want that one. <laughs> Just beautiful. You'll enjoy it. eGardens, you have to subscribe for it. It's free, but we have to have some place to send the email. It goes out by constant contact. We have almost 80,000 subscribers. And uh, you can always unsubscribe at any time if you choose to. But there it is. You go to neilsperry.com. Same place you get my book. You sign up for eGardens. Just click on the eGardens tab. You can see the latest issue of it, and that'll let you make your decision of whether you'd like to subscribe. I'll take my chances. I think you will. Go to neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Click on eGardens. More after these messages. All right, thank you very, very much, uh, Kelly. Uh, don't be timid, folks. Give us a call. It's a quiet day. I, I thought it would be very busy with the weather being kind of gray in much of Texas and with uh, with spring right around the corner. It will pick up. done this for 43 years, 44th year now I'm starting. And uh, so I've, I've, been, I've been through this before, around this block a few times. 888-256-1080. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Plenty of time to get you on the air, but you have to call. We don't do outgoing calls. Hi, this is Neil. Just thought you'd like to be on the radio. <laughs> that would be awkward, wouldn't it? 888-256-1080. We go to Judy in Fritch. Judy, this is Neil. How are things in the panhandle? Well, I call it the Yukon. It's sunny, but it's cold. <laughs> how, how cold did you guys get last weekend? Oh, we were down in the teens, maybe even lower than the teens. Uh, I think you were so, lower than that. We got to the teens in, in the Dallas. Yeah, we days. were. I think my husband said he saw that we were about two. Yeah, that's what point. I thought. Yeah. yeah. I like how I like how you confuse the teens with two. Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> when you live in the Yukon, <laughs> it's, tough. you know, it's cold. <laughs> yeah, you're a tough soul. How can I help I you today? <laughs> well, I, feel, I sort of feel silly, but I, I want to mulch my flower beds. But about the time I decide I'm going to do it, I remember that I also have some seeds I want to plant. And I don't know if I if I put the mulch, if I put the seeds down and then I mulch, will the seeds come up? Well, mulch so is supposed silly. to, yeah, you, you will be defeating a purpose because mulch is yeah. supposed to uh, kind of retard the development of okay. weed seeds. Okay. And, and, of course, the mulch doesn't know which are weeds and which are not. Right. Is there any way you could start your seeds in, in flats and plant them out later or uh, can you wait to mulch until you have the 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 ground kind of tilled yeah, and stirred yeah get the seedlings up and then then put your mulch out what kind of mulch well, do living, you use well i use different things but uh, i've wondered about the leaves that we rake up if those yes. are good things to put out yeah they're perfect if you if you run them through the mower and then and then store mm -hmm. them dry in uh trash bags and then once okay. you get your little seedlings up and growing and they're a couple inches tall then you can just loosely pour them out and with your fingers i'm i'm man this needs to be tv right now you just kind of yeah, wiggle I, your fingers to work them in between the the plants okay well the the question about using leaves then is 
have I mean, they they blow away. <laughs> but not maybe if, you, if they're not, all not, if, if they're you, all if you small. run through the mower, yeah, they won't. If you they run won't? through the mower, okay. no. All right, I've used the heavier things such as I guess it's pine chips and things like that. Because, but they blow away too. Because it's crazy up here. The the wind is awful. I know it's so. yeah. They they won't. And I, the secret with the uh, the shredded leaves would be to water them right after you get them down. Do it at a still time, okay. and then water them, and and they'll lay down flat. All right. Well, I appreciate your uh, information. Thank you very much. You betcha. I'm glad to have you call. Have a great day. Thank you. <laughs> you too. Okay. All right. We go from Judy and Fritch to Mitch in Corpus Christi. Mitch, this is Neil. Good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I have uh, three loblolly pines that I planted uh, back in, I think, last April. And okay. they just, they, they're about, uh, they, they grew about, a, I'd say, a foot or so after I planted them. But now they're just kind of turning yellow and brownish, and they don't, they don't look real full. I was wondering, is there something I'm doing wrong? I've been watering them. I was watering them like three times a week when I first planted them, probably for the first three months, and now I've kind of let off on that, but I just don't know what to do with them. Okay, I'm going to give you the best answer I know to give, and I've always made it a practice, Mitch, to be honest with people. Um, I'm going to tell you that I'm I'm not 100% sure that my answer is going to be accurate, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you where I'm a little worried. Uh, first of all, I wouldn't judge a, a new pine tree in the middle of uh, January or early January, because if they're ever okay. going to be a little bit yellowed, uh, it's going to be now. They're they're getting ready to shed needles and put new growth on uh, come springtime, and and so this is probably when they'll look their worst. So I wouldn't okay. I wouldn't judge them yet. I would put a a very high nitrogen fertilizer on them. In your area, probably about three or four weeks from now, that's when they'll start gearing up to grow for springtime. In in East Texas, uh, where they're more common, I, it would be uh, in early to mid-March. Uh, but since you're so okay. far south and, and things happen earlier, I'd, I'd do it earlier for you. Um, so that's that's one comment. Um, the, the comment that I'm unsure of is how far south uh, they're going to grow well. Loblolly pines are are pretty much East Texas pines. They're the the native pine of the eastern twenty uh, percent of the state, and they're pretty finicky. I, I grew up in College Station, and I didn't do well with them in in the Brazos County soil. Uh, they grew in in Bryan College Station, but there weren't very many of them, and you didn't have to go very far east of town on the way to Huntsville before you'd see them do very very well. Same thing is true where I live now in in McKinney. You go toward Greenville, and as soon as you get out of Greenville, 10 miles to the east of Greenville, uh, you you see pines doing very well. That's a soil difference. Um, Right. And and so I don't know how happy they're going to be. That's where your local independent retail garden center will have probably better advice maybe than I do, probably than I do. And and so I'm not okay. embarrassed to tell you that. Ask them. They're going to have to have acidic soil. So you need to ask what is the pH of my soil or have it tested. If it's alkaline okay. or, or even neutral, that may be your problem. And that yellowing would be iron deficiency. And that's a no-win deal for you. So, okay. Okay. On the high nitrogen, would that be like a granular type yes, fertilizer? Or? Yeah, it's going to be a, a, a lawn, what you'd put on turf grass. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah, I know there's 
kind of few and far between down here, but I have seen some in the neighborhood around that did real well, and some of them don't. So <laughs> kind of well, hit and miss, I guess. There's a there's a message in there. <laughs> You might yeah. want to look. You might want to look at how old the ones that look good are. They that, that's, that's a nice one. Nice little eight year old tree. That that twenty year old tree, man. That thing looks haggard. And there therein lies the message. That's the way it is in the Dallas Fort Worth area. The young ones look great for a few years, and they realize, oh my gosh, I don't think we're in uh, East Texas anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I, that okay. may be your problem, Mitch. And and there are some uh, subtropical pines that will do. Uh, well for you, uh, depending on how far in from the coast you are. But but uh, loblolly would scare me a little bit if it, if if your soil is um, is not acidic that and and if there's any okay. salinity to it. So okay, all right, sir. Well, I appreciate the info. I'm glad to hear from you. Stay warm. I know you will. <laughs> oh yes, sir. Definitely. And a happy new year. Happy New Year to you. I appreciate the call very much. All right, I'm going to take a break. We'll come back to Judy and Brian Kaler in uh, in Brenham. I think I have the name right. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening is my book, now in its fifth printing, and uh, it's not in stores, not on uh, Amazon. I made that choice myself because I wanted to be able to sign every copy of my book. That was important to me. I self-published this book because I wanted Carolyn Skye to be the editor of my book, and I wanted Cindy Smith to be the graphic designer. The three of us did this book. And it was a labor of love for a year. I spent 14, 12, 14 hours a day at my computer working on the book and working with them via email and and uh, text messaging and other other ways. And, and it really was fun to see it evolve. 344 pages, 840 photographs. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening in Texas, what you need to know to get you started successfully. Chapter 2 is a calendar. I used to publish a very short version at the bottom of each page when I did a Texas gardening wall calendar each year for 27 years, and, and I would tell people what to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray in their landscapes and gardens, what insect and disease and weed pests they'd have. Um, and, and when I quit doing the wall calendar, because people weren't using wall calendars any longer, people said, oh, man, I missed that information. So I thought, you know what, I'm about to do a book. I'll just put a chapter in the book of that, a perpetual calendar. And that's the 48-page, four-page-per-month calendar, Chapter 2. Chapter 3 is extremely detailed on trees. Chapter 4 is extremely detailed on shrubs and so forth, on, on vines and ground covers and annuals. Oh, my goodness. I worked six weeks on that one, longer than almost any other chapter, and, and perennials, same deal. And then uh, vines, and, well, I did that one on, on uh, uh, lawns and fruit and vegetables. It's all in the book, and it's written for every county in the state of Texas. I guarantee your satisfaction, or I'll refund every penny of the thirty-six ninety-five that you spend. Now, I also will warn you, the sixth printing is on the presses right now, and it'll be out in, in a while. I have a few of the, I have a couple thousand of the fifth printing left, and uh, it's a lot less. It's going to, the sixth printing, because of the all the shortages and everything, is going to cost more. So if you want to get the best deal, you'll order it right now. Very few changes, just little text changes, little bitty, two or three of them. Thirty-six ninety-five plus tax and postage, and uh, it will save you its cost before the end of the spring. I'll guarantee that. I have not had one request for a refund out of the 73,000 copies that we've sold. 
Two ways you can order it, since it's not in stores, not on Amazon. One is at my website. That's the better way, at neilsperry.com. But you can also call my office weekdays, 800-752-GROW, G-R-O-W, 800-752-4769. The better way is at Neil Sperry, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. More after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very, very much. Let's go to line four. That's going to take us to Judy and Brian. Judy, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Hi. I'm going to change up my question. Um, I've got, I think, red spider mites all over my milkweed, and I can't seem to get rid of it, and I'm concerned about uh, whatever I use affecting the butterflies. Do you have any suggestions? All right. Um I'm going to question just a little bit what uh, pest you think you have. Um, are you absolutely sure it's not uh, aphids? They're orange. Well, little orange, uh, I mean, covered, absolutely yeah, about covered. The, a, a, a very brilliant, kind of a pretty orange, really, and they're about the size of a little bigger than pinheads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's aphids. There's an aphid that gets on milkweed that is, forgive me, I agree with you, I don't want them either, but they are absolutely beautiful in their color, um, and, and they're really striking. They're almost fluorescent. You can see them from 10 feet away. Spider mites are almost microscopic, and uh, I have never seen, well, I guess I have seen uh, spider mites on um uh, on on milkweed, but but the aphids are so common. You can wash those aphids off if you'll if you'll go after them with a just a, a spray nozzle. Not so much, not so hard that it would blast the the plants to pieces. But you can wash them off pretty easily. The aphids that get on well, aphids in general uh, have a a very insidious uh, ability of giving birth to living young without without mating. And so one female can produce a bunch of new aphids very quickly. And so you do need to bring the population under control quickly. Just keep your eye open. And when those fluorescent orange orange spots show up, wash them off right away. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I've seen them, you know, just all over the ground, too. Um, Yeah, so they're, I mean, the plants were covered, absolutely covered with them. And, uh, it, you know, obviously it looked like they were killing all the new branches that were trying to come out, all the well, new leaves. They're, yeah, they're a sucking insect. They will they will suck the sap right out of the milkweed, so you don't want to have them there. Um, and and so that's exactly what you're seeing. I've, I've seen them. I've taken photos of them. They're they're pretty amazing in the in the quantity that you'll get. But that, that gets you. You can use... Uh, just about any general-purpose insecticide that you want to to get rid of aphids, they're easily killed. But most people don't want to use an insecticide when they have a monarch butterfly uh, attracting uh, plant. And so that's why I give you the alternative, just knocking them off with water because they're very easily knocked off. Uh, can I treat the soil then? No, you won't need to. You, you, you're going to get rid of them by doing what I suggested. It's much easier. There's no need to okay, no uh, need to treat anything. Neil, I had a huge iris 
probably about four feet tall, and I think it's the Louisiana black, I don't know exactly, it, it was a bulb, um, and it seems to have taken a big hit from the freeze uh, here from last week. It, do you have any suggestions for how to trim um, that bed of an iris? Um, no, I would wait and see how much of it dies back. I don't know what the plant is you're talking about, and I, no point in going into that, but but uh, I would just wait and see uh, how extensive the damage is and trim off anything dead, and hopefully it'll come back. I, I don't know. Okay. But anyway, I better is run, Judy, but hopefully. For... Beg your pardon? I was just going to ask you if that was typical for irises because it didn't do that last year during the snow here. No, that that is not typical. Uh, it may be that the snow gave it enough mulch protection. Snow is a very good insulator, and it may be that that protected enough below to uh, help it survive. But uh, I don't know. Without knowing what plant it is, I, I'm not not sure. But anyway, I I must run. I appreciate your call very much. I hope I was helpful. Uh, so anyway, I thought she was going to talk about uh, Monterey oak, and, and uh, that is a plant that I am very disillusioned with. I lost mine years ago and just have a hard time recommending that north of uh, the Rio Grande Valley. People really lost them in South Texas this past year. Uh, let me uh, tell you about my website, neilsperry.com, and uh, it is a um, it is a place where you buy my book, Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. It's a place that you sign up for my uh, free electronic newsletter, eGardens. It's also the place where you can see my 1001 Frequently Asked Questions. That was another book that I did a few years before the uh, uh, Lone Star Gardening book. And that, unfortunately, that publisher went bankrupt. And uh, so I just, I, once I had bought all the books and had, had uh, sold the remainders, they're called, um, didn't have anything else to do with them, and I owned the copyright to it, so I just put it on the website. Don't charge anything for it. It's right there for you. I thought maybe that would help uh, answer a lot of questions for folks. And uh, so all that's on my website. I hope you'll look at it. I think you'll find it very helpful. NeilSperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com, Neil Sperry's. Uh, uh, well, it's NeilSperry.com, my website. So I hope you'll Hope you'll take a look. Let me tell you about Mueller once again. The 1930s were difficult times for America. It was called the Great Depression. The country was in a terrible condition. Jobs were scarce. Hopes remained high, though. And it was during that time that Mueller started making metal products. Now here we are 90 years later, and the Mueller name is still known across the South as having the finest in quality steel and workmanship. Mueller and its products understand what it means to weather the storm. A Mueller metal roof, that's M-U-E-L-L-E-R, if you want to look it up online. Mueller metal roof is made to last and to protect you and your most valued possessions from the harsh weather that we become accustomed to in our area. A Mueller metal roof can endure the intense sun, the heavy rain, hail, and snowstorms for years to come. That's much longer than a conventional roof. If you want peace of mind for the future, choose a metal roof for your home, a roof that's been made by Mueller. 
Visit MuellerInc.com to learn more and to find a location near you. You'll see why a Mueller metal roof is the best thing to put over your head. Go into one of those locations and talk to them about their roofs, about their buildings, about their greenhouses. Give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553. Or you can stop by one of those 33 locations. They're Mueller. They're made in America. And they are made to last. MuellerInc.com. More after this message. All righty. Thank you very, very much. And we go back to the phone lines to Kyler in Brenham. Kyler, this is Neil. It's Good Kayla. morning. Good Kayla? morning. Kyler, I'm sorry. Kayla, I yes, beg your pardon. I, no I could have seen that. I could have seen that. How can I help you? <laughs> anyway, uh Earlier, you was talking to a lady named Judy about leaves and making mulch out of them, putting them in garbage bags. I've got a red oak and a couple of Bradford pears in my front yard that drops a lot to leave. My question is, uh, can I just mow them, mulch them real good, and leave them in the yard? You can with 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 an exception. I think the pear wouldn't be as much of a problem because those trees are not as large. But the red oak, if it has any size to it, I think you get too much. And I, I always tell people, and this is what I do with ours, is there's about a two-week uh, time period in there that I bag and collect and take them off-site. I take them uh, to a compost pile, to our compost pile. and I don't want them back into the grass because it would be too much in too short a time. Uh, but most of the time, you know, you get a, a leaf fall that begins with a lot of trees in September, and it's still going on. In, and with red oaks, it still goes on into December and January with some red oaks. And those you can mulch right back in. But for the, the big bulk of, boy, there come the leaves for that time. Yeah, period, but with this last wind we try. had, with, yeah, with this last wind we had, I mean, they are scattered. And I've got a big yard. i got three-quarters an acre. Of the and you could so you could certainly do that. You could certainly do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what. No, I, it's I no. They're very beneficial. Up. They're very beneficial. You can certainly do that. Right. <laughs> Save me picking them up. That All right. Helps. Thank Let you. Let me. I want to. I want to offer you. Yeah. I, I have a minute uh, before I have to leave, and I don't have a call behind you. I want to warn you of something on the Bradford pears. Are you aware okay. of their branch uh, issues that they have branching issues? Uh, well, I know that the, at the they, they really get cluttered at the bottom. Yeah, and that becomes a problem. I'm really not trying to ruin your day for you and make you sit around and worry the rest of the day, but but they have a habit of breaking, and and it'll happen when you least expect it. Um, I just want you to be aware. I'll tell you what happened to mine, and this happened about 35 years ago. I was busy recommending them because they were so beautiful in spring and fall and really pretty the rest of the year. And those narrow branch angles that they have, um, what happens is debris and bark and water, moisture, get pinched in there and get caught. And so you don't get a really good wood uh, angle in there. You, you get debris caught. And what I noticed in my tree, up in the center, I had a couple of branches that started turning yellow. They, they looked like they needed iron or whatever. And so I put iron around the tree and I did everything I could think of and I, I hadn't yet I mean this was like I say 35 years ago hadn't figured out what was going on and then one day with a just a gentle breeze that tree split right down the middle it didn't hurt anything in my landscape fortunately 
If it had oh. gone the other way, it would have hit the house. And um, I, I could see then that there was decay right down the center of the trunk, and I could see why that had happened. Well, since then, I've been warning people, and I'm, a lot of nurseries won't sell them any longer. And as you see a windstorm in town and, and you see other people with, with ornamental pears, especially Bradford pears, you'll see that, that splitting happening. And just kind of mark my words. And people, some people will even try to save the trees by leaving the other half in place and wondering how they can reshape it. Don't do that. But I want you to be aware, and if it is in a place where it well, would do damage. Yeah, I've if, if it's problem. in a place where it would do damage, be forewarned. Better to take it out a little bit early than to wait a little too long. So, anyway. I'll do it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, thanks for the call, and I, thanks, I don't want to. Yeah, all right, you betcha. Don't want to worry anybody needlessly, but that one is worth worrying about. Hey, everybody, I thank you for listening. Jared Taylor, nice job. Y'all have a great week. Until next Saturday, happy gardening.